Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. Jesus was radical. That is the theme of this week's programmes. And uh, things that you're saying have sounded quite firm on the one hand, Colin, yet on the other hand, it seems like, well, there's no other way to live. You're talking today about being disciples of Jesus. Well, the best way to live is to be like Jesus. Uh, You know, the scripture says that it was the anointing of the oil of joy that was upon him that raised him above his companions. What does that mean? Jesus is the most joyful person ever to have walked on the face of the earth. And, um, you know, if we want to be really joyful, he said, I mean, he said some very challenging things to his disciples. And having said them, he said, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. I suppose the bottom line is, do we want to do it our own way or do we want to do it his way? Well, the best way to live is to follow Jesus, is to be like Jesus. After all, if you want to go to heaven, it's because you want to be like Jesus and you will be suddenly transformed into his likeness. If you don't want to be like Jesus, you don't want to go to heaven. It's as simple as that. And you can't suddenly decide that you want to be like Jesus when you die. The reason why God has sent his son to give us salvation as a gift is so that having received that salvation, we can walk as Jesus walked, as Peter puts it, or we can be transformed into his likeness, as Paul puts it. So we are followers of Jesus, as we saw yesterday. We deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. So Jesus is calling us to be disciples because that's the commission to the church to go and make disciples. So every Christian is called to be a disciple. Now he says some very radical things about being disciples. Uh, Listen to this, for example. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, he's actually talking about discipleship in the context in which he is speaking one of the other um, parallel passages in the other Gospels actually says that uh, we're not worthy to be his disciples if we put anybody above Jesus. Now, that's radical. But it's the simple outworking of what it means to say Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, the Holy Spirit enables a person to say Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, to say he is Lord is to say he is the one who rules and reigns and governs in my life. It's to say he's my boss. It's to say I am living under his lordship, under his authority. In other words, he tells me what to do and I do it. Now, during the days of his humanity, this is how Jesus lived. He said, I haven't come to do my own will, but I've come to do the will of him who sent me. Now, you can remember there was an occasion when Jesus was preaching in a house and there was a big crowd of people. And his mother and his brothers came looking for him. And they couldn't get near him because of the crowd of people. So they sent a message forward. And um, uh, Jesus was told by someone, your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. 
And instead of abandoning the meeting and going off with mum and brothers, uh, he stopped and he said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Then pointing to his disciples around him, you see, he said, this is my mother, these are my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my mother, my brother, my sister. Now that's radical because it gives us an entirely different concept of how God regards family. You see, when we become Christians, we actually become not just part of a church as an institution, we become part of a family. But what is the purpose of the family? To do the will of God. These are the ones who are really related to me. This is how you need to understand family. That those that are in my family are those who do the will of God. Now, if you put, Jesus is saying, if you put your natural family before me, you cannot follow me. You cannot be my disciple. You are not worthy of me. You are only worthy of me if you put me first because I'm Lord, because I'm God, because I'm King, the King of Kings. So I must be first. So if you seek to save your life, if you seek to put yourself first, then you're not worthy of me. If you even put those who in the natural you love dearly before me, you are not worthy of me. So putting Jesus first keeps every other relationship we have in its rightful place. Keep, but not only that, it blesses all the other relationships. It's a positive thing. You see, when I married my wife, I made it clear, um, darling, you will never be first in my life. Jesus will always be first. Jesus has always been first in our lives. We've had 43, nearly 44 years of happy marriage. Um, our children were brought up to know that mom and children were not first. Jesus is first. Jesus is first in our lives, needs to be first in their lives. Jesus has always been first in their lives for as long as they can remember. He is first in their lives today. They're all pastors. They're all serving the Lord. Uh, what's the consequence? All our grandchildren, that is their children, uh, Jesus is number one in their lives. They all love the Lord. Um, the eldest of them is is um, wants to serve the Lord uh, when she leaves school, and the second eldest is already in Bible school. Uh, you see, it, if you have the right priorities in your life, then those around you will have the right priorities in their lives. And when Jesus is first in our lives, we prosper. When we put anything before God, then we're actually going to find ourselves in trouble. But you see, if, if Jesus is number one, then he's going to bless all those who actually look to him, trust in him, believe in him. So we bless our families by putting Jesus first. And Jesus knew that. So he said, um, he actually went further than that. He said, uh, if a man does not hate his mother, father, brother, sister, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, that's radical. That's really, really radical. Does he mean that we're to be full of venomous hatred for our loved ones 
and towards ourselves? Clearly not. But you see, in Scripture, there is love and there is hate and there is nothing in between. What, what's, what's Jesus saying? He's saying you must hate the very idea of putting your loved ones before me. You must even hate the idea of putting your own desires and wishes, if they conflict with my will, above my will. You must hate the idea because you cannot follow me while you want to fulfill your own plans, your own purposes, and run with your own agenda. So to be a Christian is a radical lifestyle. And, you know, um, it's not being like people that are radical in some other religions because we look at how radical people can become terrorists and all kinds of, of other very negative things. But a radical Christian does not resort to violence. Totally the opposite. He seeks to live like Jesus. The problem, Julia, is that there are not very many radical Christians around. But that's only another way of asking the question, well, how many true Christians are there? You know, those who are really serious about doing exactly what Jesus says, being followers of Jesus, being disciples of Jesus. And how can we fulfill his commission to go into all the world and make disciples if we don't live as disciples ourselves? And you see, the problem is that the level of commitment of many new believers is really a compromise because those who bring them to the Lord are compromising. And when a person first comes to the Lord, comes into the kingdom, they don't know how to live the Christian life. But you can't sit down and tell them all these things that Jesus said if they don't see them being lived by those who are telling them. They will assume that what it means to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus, to be a disciple, is what they see others doing. So if they see others compromising and not taking Jesus' word seriously, then they will compromise, not take his word seriously, because they think they don't need to. If those people that have been Christians all this time don't take his word seriously, why should I take his word seriously? But you see, it's because Christians don't take his word seriously that the church is so weak and ineffective in impacting the world with the gospel. Why was Jesus so effective in what he did? Because he lived his message. He didn't, he didn't just talk about denying himself to his disciples. He denied himself in the way that he lived. He said, I haven't come to do my will. I've come to do the will of him sent me. He denied himself by going to the cross. He said, if any man would come after me, he's got to deny himself, take up his cross, follow me. He who seeks to save his life will lose it, but he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus was prepared to lose his life in order that he would be raised into glory for all eternity and reign with his Father in heaven. And he said, look, it's the same with my followers. It doesn't necessarily mean that we will be giving our lives physically uh, you know, to become martyrs, but it does mean that we will be using our lives to serve the Lord, that the most important thing for us as Christians is what we're doing in order to see God glorified in our lives. You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 